Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit. I'm your host, David Jennings, and in this session, we're going to be chatting with the gold medal winning author of Conversations That Sell, which is a must read for sales teams. Now, she's been in the sales game for over 20 years, having founded Sales Pro Insider, and it's their company's mission to help other businesses grow their sales, create raving fans, and encourage employee engagement. Now, what I like most about Nancy's style is she doesn't approach sales using that stereotypical image that people often have when they think about sales, you know, the, the bait and switch, high pressure, false scarcity, all of these sort of tactics that oftentimes leave the customer feeling tricked. Instead, she's about using conversations that connect prospects and build long-term relationships that ultimately bonds people together. Now, surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, when you think about it, that in turn leads to more business. So the fact is behind all of that hype, behind the tactics, the, the tools, the, the sales hype, people do business with people. And that's really what Nancy is about. She's uncovered the core foundations. So it's with great pleasure that I get to introduce Nancy to the summit. Thank you for making the time. Thanks for inviting me. Hello, everyone. Thank you. So I know we've got a lot to cover to go through your sales process. So I thought a great way to start is always to get the speaker to share a little bit about the problems, the challenges that you see business owners have in this particular area of sales and then how this system aims to solve some of those problems. Okay. And then after that, actually, we can go through it step by step. Okay, sounds good. The problems that I see, especially smaller business owners have, is that the business was started by one person who had to sell to make the business grow because that's how businesses thrive, right? You have to have customers buying what you're offering. And then they get to a certain point or, or, or they've already passed that point where they've hired a sales team. And now what maybe worked for one person doesn't work for everyone. And so suddenly there's inefficiencies, there's conversion rates drop, there's unhappy customers because of maybe misaligned expectations. And, and there's this sticky point of the, the company not being able to grow because we can't sell enough to sustain the additional employees, the additional overhead, et cetera. And, and instead of applying a lot of the approaches like putting together their accounting system and accounting function and their production function, they don't think about sales in that way. Mm. And so they don't create the sales function. It's definitely something you see quite common where the business owner or the founder, sometimes, you know, they'll usually start a business because they're good on the tools. That's oftentimes where they'll start. Then they kind of realize, well, I'm a business owner now, now I have to sell. So they become that primary salesperson. And that transition off sales, they're usually, it's one of the last functions that they let go of. They'll even let go of that operations and the doing of the work before sales because they feel they're bringing the special magic of connecting with the customers and bonding. And it becomes very difficult for a lot of them to let go. Well, and I think I see fear. If I let other people do this, my, our conversion rates are going to drop and I'm going to lose this opportunity when I know I can do it. I can close yeah. it. 
They might not even love it, but they're confident in their own abilities. And then it's all in their head about what has worked. You know, what do I say here? What do I say there? It's in their head. So when they get people, they're like, watch what I do, sit in on a few meetings and off you go. (laughs) And then it doesn't work because how that person sells and the nuances that they've learned and the shortcuts, because they're the guy, it could be a woman, of course, doesn't translate to someone who's not. Yeah. So I suppose what we're trying to do really is to to figure out how to best clone. And you talk about, you know, playbooks and basically capturing this, your sales process in a way that can then be shared with other team members to, to take over and take part of that responsibility. Right. And it's more than process. So I'm calling it this building your sales system from process to playbook, but you need process, you need the right people and you need the right, you need a playbook. So those are the three components of a good sales system. Perfect. So where does it start then? I believe it starts with the process because it's, so you need to know what to do, then you need to have the right who doing it, and then you need to know how. So you start with process so that you outline the roadmap. What do we do from the time we get a lead what does the conversation look like? What's the objective? Then when do we know they're qualified? You know, it's, it's getting that out of, out of the head and laid out in a way that there's so many benefits to a process that first of all, someone can follow it. I can coach to it. I can use it for mapping my pipeline for forecasting. That's going to be a lot more accurate. I can ensure I have the right resources for each stage that moves people along and I can track the success at each stage so I can find out what's broken if I'm not getting the outcomes desired. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That feels like a good little overview of this step. What's like the first step in this process? Like if someone's thinking, well, where do I actually start? How do I start to capture this info? Well, so I'm going to use a visual that's going to help map this, but I I believe most companies have like a five-stage system. It might be four, it might be seven, but, but we use this five that really helps us kind of anchor how to put it together because what you have to do is get it out of your head and get it on paper. So we need something to anchor that. So for us, we look at these key five stages. So you see the graphic? Yes, it's the one grow, activate. Yes, yeah. So it begins with that funnel, the connect. So that's when you have a lead, right? Someone's connected to you. This isn't marketing. This is sales. Sales picks up from marketing's efforts once you have a lead. So you get someone connected. They've raised their hand. They've signed up for a newsletter. They're willing to talk with someone, et cetera. They come into your first stage, which is connecting with them. And you've got to, in that stage, understand what are the key actions we need to do when someone arrives here? So am I adding them to a newsletter list? Am I doing research? Whatever. We need to lay that out. Then we have to know what's the commitment on their end that lets me know that they're moving to the next stage. And then what are the resources that we need to support that? So we need to map out those components for when I first have somebody in my world, I would say. And then, of course, the next stage needs to be, how am I qualifying them to make sure that not only myself to be accountable, but anybody I bring on the team is going to spend the time with the right opportunities. And I think that's a big thing missed, especially in smaller businesses that don't have a sales process is anybody's a potential, but that's not true. There's qualifiers. There's hard qualifiers, maybe about, say it's a business sale. 
the quantity they buy on something, the budget they have, whatever those hard things are. But there's also qualitative qualifiers that we have to define because those are the things that keep us from getting the PETA clients, the pain in the arses. You know, we want to make sure that we know who best fits with our product, with the way that we work with people, et cetera. And that's the qualify stage. Again, knowing, okay, to qualify, first, what are my qualifiers? Then what are the actions I do to make sure they're qualified? And what is the buyer's commitment at that stage? What are the resources that we need to support that? Which could be a simple checklist that, yep, they've met this criteria, this criteria, this criteria. It's funny at that particular stage, and you mentioned it around that qualify, I think for a lot of small business owners, it's it's the fear of losing a business opportunity because they don't have necessarily good, consistent lead flow. Oftentimes, that leads to them saying yes to a lot of work as well that they shouldn't, which further binds them to the operations because it doesn't fall into the sweet spot. It means it's very difficult to, to build systems around something that's always so custom. So it has a lot of negative flow-on effects from that as well. Definitely. And, and, and when I always say when you, if you start out bringing in ill-fit clients, they're going to lead you to more ill-fit clients yeah. or customers. Yeah. And so when, you, when you're setting up your sales function and you have other people selling, if they don't ha- understand the qualifiers, and I think a lot of times the qualitative qualifiers are the ones that get us in trouble, Yes. then, then the rest of the process for selling is hard. The rest of all the delivery is hard. It, it just becomes much more difficult. So that's why we propose it is a stage. And that stage might happen within your first communication or conversation or second, but it has to be a conscious thing because now the owner says to their new salesperson, so how many people we got in the pipeline? Who do you think is going to close? And they are like, wow, I've got this guy, this guy, this guy. But without the right questions to know, are they a qualified buyer? Yes. There just might be a whole lot of energy there and misforecasting, which then gets everybody in trouble in production after work. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So that's the second stage. The third stage is that conversion, right? So now we've got somebody, we know they're qualified. I've got to now convert them. And that's where, you know, my passion is about using your conversation to engage in the information exchange that needs to happen for someone to make a confident decision to move forward. And so again, you got to map out what are our key actions? What do we do before that conversation? What do we do during it? What are the resources that we have to show clients, to get their hands on, to to move them along? What are the resources we need internally to be able to support that? And those again mapped out then become the next part of having your roadmap with a plan that someone else can follow. Yes. It'd be interesting to get your thoughts on where scripts feel fit into this and if it does or doesn't, because that's scripts can be helpful when you're just getting started, but you also get need to get them to a point where they feel very natural. Otherwise it feels like a script. So I'd be interested to know, yeah, how, how that piece fits in here. So that would be one of your resources would be, and I call them, you need scripts at the beginning, like you said, but then you need frameworks. You know, a a framework that someone understands, okay, here's how I start a conversation or here's how I investigate their problems, opportunities, wants, and needs. But I don't have to have it word for word. If I understand the the reason, the the why I'm accomplishing that, and I've gotten good training, you know, on how to do it well, 
then scripts get me started, but then I can't have a real conversation off a script unless that prospect follows that script. (laughs) You were meant to say this here. (laughs) Exactly. But that will be part of the playbook, the third part of having the sales system as well as having that. But, But they're absolutely, and I think that that's part of it is, is when, when a founder, owner, you know, lead rainmaker is, is wanting someone else to pick up sales, they're like, say it just like this. And, and it sounds great coming out of Mark's mouth, but then Bobby tries to say it, and it just it creates a disconnect for the buyer. Yes. And so they don't trust them. There's something just not right because it's That's not, not genuine. Bobby's words, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So we kind of get that conversion piece or that convert piece. and then Mapping that out. Yeah. What yeah. am I doing before, during, and after? And I think that's a big thing too is after the conversation, if I didn't get the buyer commitment that's a, a sale, but yeah. maybe it's moving them along in the sale, then I need to know what's next. Okay. If, if, if it's not time to close, what are the other options? You know, is it a next meeting? Is it an introduction bringing somebody else in? You know, is it a demo depending on what you're selling? But we've got to have that mapped out for them. But once we get the buy commitment, then the next stage, we call it activate or we call it onboarding. And I would call it more onboarding nowadays. But it's now they've said, yes, I have to know what's going to happen now. Because if a buyer says yes, you, you can chime in on this. If they say yes, and then it becomes really clunky on how they actually get what they're buying, then we've got a second sale to make. (laughs) That is a huge recurring problem, particularly for those sort of small, medium-sized business owners. Business owner is still involved in the operations. They haven't yet mapped out how the delivery uh, can happen without them. That's the real key. You need to get to a point where the product or service can be delivered well to a great standard without the business owner. And then what that does is it frees up the ability to sell more because oftentimes I see sometimes it's almost like the salesperson or the business owner self-sabotages when they're selling because they think I don't really want to make the sale because then I know I have to deliver the work and I'm going to struggle delivering the work. So, So you need a, it's a key part of sales, having the confidence to know that you're selling something that solves a problem that the customer wants and you can deliver extremely well. Right. And for that other salesperson that you're having in your system, how to lay that out? You know, how do we get things signed? How do we pay for it? What is the timing of the delivery? All of that being ready. And so we have that as a stage in the system because that has to be really clear again so I don't have to sell it a second time to the same person which is so inefficient and ruins their experience. And then once they're onboarded, a key part, and I think a lot of smaller businesses skip this, thinking about how do I grow that opportunity? Yeah, repeat business, getting them upselled, cross-sold. How else can you refer to the business? Yes, yeah. Yep. And that's not a conscious thing. It's kind of like, well, that's just a natural organic thing that happens. Okay, us. But you could make it happen faster and probably more often if it was a conscious stage in your sales system. And then, you know, when you're growing, either them going back to the beginning of the cycle or they've made an introduction, then, you know, you're back to stage one. So that's why we depict this graphic to explain it as a a circular thing, because a good sales system keeps filling your funnel. (laughs) Yeah. 
we've packed so much into this first stage, which I love because that means there's, there's a lot more to come. In this first stage, then, it, we're talking about basically mapping this journey out from connect, qualify, convert, activate, grow, getting it out, doing the brain dump, getting the orders right. Here's a quick little visual of what you, it's simple, right? Just have your stages, your things and, and have it. And most businesses can get it on one page. And then that's, that's your training. That's your, you know, what are, do we have all the processes in right to make each part of this work? Are resources connected, et cetera. So it, it can look really simple, but it's getting it out of their head and getting it into the stages in a way that can make sense to somebody else. And I always say with something like this, the first time that you do it is the worst that system or process will ever be. And it will only get better. You keep tweaking it, moving it. Oh, that didn't work. We improved conversion here by sending that welcome pack. All of that sort of thing is part of that organic process and making systems thinking and, and systems part of the culture of the company. That's true. And I think it's, it's an iterative process. You know, there's just, it, what you have today isn't like, this is it. This is what's today. In 30 days from now, three things on it could change or five things on it could change. And that's the great thing is when you start bringing people on your team, they're going to have a different perspective. And you're going to start seeing what works more for a team than just the one person. And, and I think that idea of the, the team, what I love most when you get a process that everybody follows and you get that down and then let's say, and then I know we'll cover about getting some of the metrics down. And if everybody's following the same process, you can actually now improve it because you know there's some consistency. There's no, you can't improve a process if everybody's doing their own thing because it, it the numbers really don't mean anything. And then it, it makes it so much easier at that point to then you get the consultant in. You get Nancy in and you say, here's what we're doing. Here's our numbers. And Nancy looks at it and goes, that's where it's broken. We can tweak this. I can fix that. It's so much easier for that expert consultant if you've got a baseline for them to work from. Right. Then it becomes a great diagnostic tool. Where is it broken? If my So for each of those stages, now I can measure how many people come in here, how many move to here, how many people move to here. And I can start, especially for if you haven't had one, what's reasonable? What are reasonable expectations now of movement from one to another with timing? And, and if the conversion between you know, one to another, if I find out that we've converted, got buying decisions, but now we've got this big problem as we're onboarding and trying to deliver, I know now what to fix. Yeah. Or sometimes I, I, I've seen this in tech companies, some of the tech companies, the salespeople are promising things that can't be delivered. And then that becomes a bigger issue that has to be fixed collectively. Yeah, you get no repeat business or referral business there. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I, that's the way a system needs to be improved is by looking at all of the metrics because otherwise you fix, maybe you, you make your sales process that much better, but then you repeat completely drops away. And that, that that's not going to work. I was working with a business owner yesterday and she said to me, she said, I don't have a good conversion rate. And I said, at what point? And she had no idea. She goes, I'm just convinced my fees are too high. And that's why we're not converting. And I'm like, whoa, that hmm. is a big assumption that is going to affect your profitability that you don't know is true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but, but she said, well, I don't know what else it could be. So then I had her take me through. So what do you do first? What do you do second? Whatever. And I said, okay, I can point out three other areas that are most likely the problem, not your fees. 
And she was like, really? You know, it's just, but when you have a system, it's a great diagnostic tool. Yeah, that makes sense. So we've got step one is is really mapping that. Map it out. Get the what you're supposed to be doing mapped out. Then the second component, I think in a good, I know in a good system is the people, right? So we've got process, now it's the people, but it's two people. First of all, it's knowing who your buyer is. And and even though, again, you know it, but it's, it's being clear on that ideal client profile and people say, oh, well, there's this one. Well, it's okay. You can have six or eight of them, but the more that you can, can hone in on who is our ideal client, what are the problems we can solve for them? What are the opportunities we can help them capture? What are the wants or needs that they want and they need addressed that our solution takes care of? And, and those are different on different ideal clients. And then also, what's the value they're looking for? How do they make decisions? Where do they hang out so we can find more of them? What are they interested in? All of those things, the better we, we as the owner, founder, can identify what those client profiles are, the easier it is for us to help other people on our team locate them, converse with them correctly, and make sure that they're be able to move them through that process. I always say to people as well, when they're thinking about that target audience, because the business owner thinks, oh, but I don't want to be turning away business. And it goes back to that point we mentioned earlier. When you get your marketing right, though, sometimes someone you'll do work with and they're still attracted in that aren't that specific ideal client and you can work with them. But the person who is the exact match direct fit, if you talk to that person, then they feel like, oh, wow, you know me better than anyone else. And you magnetize and draw those type of clients to you, which, which is the aim of, of great marketing. And then it makes sales infinitely easier. Absolutely. It makes it easier. And it makes operations after the sale easier too. It's just all along the way. It's just all easier. So for people, the second component of a sales system, it's the first people you got to be really clear on is your ideal client profiles. And it can be multiples. And then it's about the people on your team. And so actually we did some research about these days. I'm going to just give you some statistics, which we just updated them for this year but how in demand are sales reps? So people are like, just go and hire a sales rep. Okay, good luck. There's lots of people. So right now, 60% of companies are reporting that they're understaffed in sales. They can't find enough salespeople. Sales is the second most demand position in the world. The top one is because I would feel like sales should be the top. But you know what? There's more tech people needed these days. Ah, so that's yes. what developers, you know, yeah. those kinds. Just think about it. They're running the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the good thing about sales is it's once you do it right, you will never go hungry because that job is always in demand. I feel like tech, to a certain extent, probably won't go away now, but it is relatively recent, whereas sales, we're talking dawn of time until the end of time. Exactly. I mean, that's how business happens. And so, and right now, 64% of people plan to hire another salesperson in 2019. So they're in demand. So if you're going to hire a sales rep, you've got to be clear on who is going to be the best fit for you because mishires are very costly. You know, it's estimated two to three times an annual salary, but more so I think than those dollars is the lost relationships when you have someone that doesn't work out. Yeah. And then the cost is very hard to quantify at that point. So that's a big one. Like that people struggle recruiting, obviously, because of the demand. What what are your tips there? So 
my tips there is that you have to be proactive. Just putting out a post somewhere like people used to do. I just let people know. I let my network know isn't enough because probably the people you want to hire aren't really looking. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to be proactive. So yeah, LinkedIn is still one of the best ways. You can do all kinds of searches within there. And then it's proactively contacting people. And for business owners, they hate to hear this. But I believe that I do know this for a fact because we've done hiring in the past. We know that to find the right person will take most likely 100 to 120 hours of someone's time to locate, do the right interviews, the right testing and things. And most business owners, that's not a good use of their time. So a good recruiter can do that proactive searching, contacting people that are already employed, And that's what you need to get a top rep. You really do need to find the ones that are, you know, whatever. The other thing that I suggest to to companies, and it it takes more effort nowadays because it's so hard to get reps, is to home grow. Yeah. Is to have some good assessments that you can look at people on your team. Do they have the right qualities for what it's going to take to sell what I sell? And that is a key here. Depending on what you sell, there's different characteristics and skill sets that are necessary. If you're selling an enterprise software solution, that's a different skill set than selling a one-time service of some sort. Mm. So you got to know what's the right salesperson that's going to get us where we need to go. And it's then where do I find them? What are the qualities? And the more that you can define that, the easier it's going to be for someone to raise their hand and then you got to do the selection part, which anything you want to say on proactive, looking for reps, growing them your own, being able to train. Yeah, I think that one thing, and maybe it comes around to the selection, when people first start doing it, there's not a huge amount of understanding around the compensation and how to structure that so it's attractive enough for that salesperson. I suppose if it's homegrown, that that conversation's maybe a little bit easier in that they're in the space and, and they might have come from another role and or, or multiple roles. But yeah, the attracting of that person in it and how to make that attractive is, is a, a tough one for business owners to answer. I agree. In fact, um, I have some some stats on what do people, what do reps want from a company these days? And so people say to me, well, I'm a small company. I can't compete with the big guys. And that's true possibly about compensation, but it's the whole the whole employment experience that's, that's really important. And very much with the, the younger generations, there's things they want and it's not always about the money. So they are looking for a good, you know, it has to be a comp package that they don't feel they're getting taken advantage of. But they're also looking for mission-driven companies that is, you know, proven a big thing. They're looking for a good fit for their skill set. They want to know that they can succeed in your organization. Nobody wants to come in and be a failure. They want opportunity for growth. And that doesn't mean growth in position. It can be growth in what they're doing within client relationships or or whatever. This is an interesting one. Transparent and committed leadership. Which seems like 101, but I'm imagining in a lot of organizations, that's that's not always the case. Yeah, so I could see someone, you want to work in an area where it's honest and open like that. Yeah. That seems like what I wanted. It still surprises me that some businesses don't head down that track. Well, and you're in that younger generation, but that's one of the, I think, competitive advantages to smaller companies. Yes. Right. Being mission driven, people accessible, leadership is accessible. You get to know them. You matter as a person, all of those things make an attractive 
opportunity for the right people. They want to see empowerment at all levels. This is interesting. They want to make sure that there's a good communication within the company. So they want to know that people's voices are heard. There's a two-way communication loop, et cetera. So, and of course, they want a good solution that they're selling. They want to sell something that they can, can believe in. So when small businesses say, I can't compete, I'm stuck, I'm like, you're not marketing. Yes, Getting it out yep. there is a marketing opportunity. Yeah. So in this particular stage, and, and obviously the first part was more to do with focusing in on the client. Then the second part of this stage uh, or sub point, let's say, is getting very clear on the salesperson you're looking to attract. Then you do some prospecting for that and you go out on LinkedIn and find the, the right people. Then you probably have a bit of a process, the way that you engage and interview and, and identify the right person, approach it like a marketing situation here, you're marketing your business and, and making sure that you are an attractive business for that ideal customer, which is effectively your salesperson at the, when you think about it. And then, yeah, we're, we're coming down to crafting together what that offer looks like. And, and now I suppose we're coming to that selection bit you were talking about. Right. And so when you said you have a bit of a selection bit, I can't do your accent perfectly. And I'm like, no, that is where small businesses like don't do enough work is on yes. their selection, on the hiring process itself and being selective and making sure that there's multiple interviews. And I say for salespeople and people are like, oh my goodness, if your salesperson is going to be someone who meets face-to-face -face with prospects or existing clients, and if they're someone that's ever whining, dining them, you should have a meal with them yourself. You should have a meal. Watch how they treat the wait staff. Look at their table. I mean, I'm just being, but look at their yes. table manners. So my two tips, there's, I have a long process, but my two tips are you need to be watching everything that happens during the engagement with that prospective employee, team member, yes. from how they communicate with you, how quickly they follow up. All of that lets you know who they really are. And because all of those things are important in selling right? Yeah. How quickly they're going to follow up. How do they communicate? And so if you're having a hard time understanding them, if, you, if they're not following through on, on parts of the process they're supposed to, you can expect that when you hire them as well. Because this is them at their best while they're trying to make the biggest sale of their life, you, sell, you hiring them. Yes. Yeah. So multi-stage interviews with different people, but with clarity on what you're looking for, not asking questions. When I, oh my gosh, my favorite question is, well, do you, do you really want to be in sales or do you really want the job? Well, people know the right answer is yes. Instead, you have to ask behavior-based questions. Tell me, how did you end up in sales? What makes you keep this as your career? What do you like best about it? You have to get into the story, kind of like when you're selling prospects, right? You have to understand their story, context, fears, you know, rewards, and that helps you know what value to sell them to. So if you're doing that along the hiring process, you're going to now know how to structure a good offer that's yes. going to get, you know, right? You're selling them on you too. Yes. So it really is both. But multi-step, I always believe in including some kind of objective assessment that gives you some data outside of what you're hearing from them. So whether it's DISC or Objective Management Group or whatever, but get something that makes you pause and say, hmm, I should explore more about that. And so that's, I mean, I think that hiring a salesperson needs effort. 
to get the right people because they're really your revenue drivers and your brand. Yeah. Well, they end up being that first touch point for once the lead comes in and their first impressions do last. So that makes perfect sense. And I know when a salesperson or really any person goes through that hiring process, the right person actually enjoys that multi-step process where they'll, they resonate with it and they'll go, oh, well, that was unique. I, I've not gone through a sales process like that because you know a lot of times companies will just try and get as many resumes and farm them through some interviews or something like that. Whereas if you have some different qualifying stages and steps, and I'm speaking more specifically, we, we get that when we're hiring for other positions. We've not done huge recruitment in sales, but I'm assuming it's, it's also the same for salespeople. Right. And, and here's one of the things. For salespeople, if they let you know how successful they've been in the past, look for proof. Ask for proof. I don't know what it is laws in different countries, but like to see your W-4 from last year, you know, your tax from last year, your wage statement from last year so that they can prove it. I was always on top of the leaderboard. What do they have to prove that? And people take that at face value that they've told them that, but anything should be able to be proven. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so, and like to what you were saying, a really top performer appreciates being vetted out because they know they're going to matter and it's going to be important, you know, like they're going to be important if you're putting that much effort into it up front. Yeah, perfect. Does that round out this sort of second step it around does. people? It yeah. Does. And then we kind of shift into the, the final of the three. Yeah. Yes. yes. So, so we've got process, people, and now it's playbook, the how to's. So the playbook brings those two things together, right? It helps your people accomplish what they're supposed to do. So that's where you include how to make the sale. And so it's, it's where you, you, in one resource document, outline who is our ideal client. You know, but actually, I, I think this is a good one to put up another screen on because there's definitely components here and it's going to be easier to look at them. Um, so I'm going to give you a table of contents from a playbook that we put together. Here you go. So there, there's three sections, I say, in a simple playbook. Some comp big companies have really complex playbooks. Small businesses don't need it, but they need to have a space to put all of this information. So the first one is helping people understand who we are. What is our mission? What is our company? Who are the team members that are going to be important? And when, again, just like the sales process, if this is documented, it saves you a lot of time in continuing to help people figure stuff out. So who are the team members in operations and accounting and whatever that are going to be important that you're going to interact with that are going to help you get things done? Section two is what do we provide to whom? So what is it that we sell? What are PAWNS is our acronym for problem, opportunity, wants, and needs. You know, what are the problems we solve, opportunities we catch, or wants and needs that we sell? What are the demographics? And then those client profiles. So now again, I know here's what we, you know, what we're selling, our solution, and who it goes to. And then number three is where scripting and things come in. How do we win the business? What does it look like to, you know, how do we start conversations? What's our talk track? How do we explain our value? Um, what are the benefits that, you know, we have to explain? What are the questions that we should be asking our prospects that are going to get us the story? What are the most common objections that we're going to hear? And then what are some of the good responses to those objections that help people work through it 
etc. And then what's our follow-up process? And so a playbook can, you know, outlining all of these things becomes a great tool for onboarding somebody quicker. But it's also like the process, it's going to be iterative. It's you're going to find this works now, you know, this is an additional thing. And, and, and it's a resource that instead of Bobby always knocking on your door and going, you know what, I got this guy and here's what's going on. The first thing they should be trained to do is look at your resource first, see if there's the answer before you interrupt the owner or whoever, you know, has been doing this because those interruptions eat up days and eat up opportunity. I can see why we were connected and we were meant to do this session. This fits incredibly perfectly with just our methodology, the way that we we teach business owners to get very clear on on the way that best practice is done in their organization, have it in a central place where everybody can reference it, train the staff to go there first, look for their own answer, then you know, if as well, if something goes wrong in the organization, you always look to the system first. It's the problem of the system first. And if it was in the system, a step was out of order or missed, okay, let's fix that so it doesn't happen again. But if it was in the system, then it becomes, hey, well, next time we need you to follow the process because it is outlined here and you haven't followed the step. So it kind of, yeah, just very closely dovetails and matches with just our model of the world. Are there any... Any systemology, is that how you pronounce it? Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is about extracting the business owner from the day-to-day operations. There are reoccurring things and sales are such a, a big one. When it comes to extracting that playbook, do you have any suggestions? One thing we always say is you, you find the best person at delivering that function if you've got multiple team members doing it capture that because at least then you can raise everybody up to that level as as step one now in sales as we said that's usually the business owner so yeah do do you have any extra tips around building this playbook so what i suggest for the you know because the process we've already talked about the people is something on but then the methodology right the how to win the business what i suggest to people is sit in on the meetings and document what you observe. Like that's your starting point, right? And the owner dumping it out of their brain is going to be different than somebody who's watched it and said, here's what I see, or here's what I heard. And then that becomes the start. Yes. Yeah. That can be refined afterward. I think that recording of sales calls, you know, especially if you're doing things through Zoom or, you know, even face-to-face, getting your phone out and just having the audio captured, or if it's over the phone, doing the speakerphone, capturing it as it's happening to actually grab the language and sometimes even getting, you know, whether it's the sales assistant or someone on the team to have first go and then it goes back to the business owner because oftentimes the business owner loves to edit. Most people, they struggle to write from a blank page. The started, right. Yes. The starting and getting it first down is like, ah! Blank piece of paper screen, yeah. Yes, but if you give me something, I'm I'm happy to edit and and mention all the things that you've missed. <laughs> so, so that that can be a yeah a great way to get started as well. I know, yeah, we've covered quite a lot. Are there any final things that you wanted to add as far as the process? And then I think next step is we we need to point people in the right direction to find out more about you. Definitely suggest they get a copy of the book Conversations That Sell, and I'll have a link through to that. But are there any final points you want to add? 
Yeah. So the book is really about that last part of the playbook. How do we have yes. the conversation to win the business? The last thoughts are in setting up a sales system, it's not skipping any of those pieces. Make sure you know what to do or people know what to do. You know, make sure you have the right people defined with your clients and the new sales team members and then the clear how-tos. That all three of those pieces are what makes a complete system and and is going to let your company grow and let sales grow without full reliance on that business owner founder. I find, um, you know, when you've found a a good framework or a process when it can be overlaid to many different situations and it's almost like universally applicable. And that's what you've really gone through today. Those three steps, you can lay that on top of any business and extract any sales process, map it, get the right people. So yeah, a big thank you for sharing. Very generous with your time and info. For people to find out more, where's the best place for them to head? That's a good question. I would say connect with me on LinkedIn. Yes. On LinkedIn is, is probably the easier way to get something. You can go to our website, salesproinsider.com if you want more information. But if you really want to connect, and I believe in conversations, we can start a conversation on LinkedIn and I can get to learn you know, about them. And I always am very actually generous with my time and I will spend, I call them 30 minute sales strategy conversations. So uh, people can schedule that and it's not a sales call. It is me going, what's going on in your organization and giving as many tips as possible. And then if that all sounds like, gosh, that sounds great. I don't have time, whatever. How can you help me do it? Then that leads to it. But if all I can do is give a few tips for someone to have them on the right direction, because I have a heart for small businesses, because I know how hard it is to take it from that solo person and get it where the revenue is there, you're not working every minute, you're not stressed and, and you're confident that you have a, other people that are advancing that business and making it grow more than you could ever do on your own. I think we share that mission. So a big thank yes. you for, for your time and, and energy and I'll put all the links beneath the, uh, the session so people can find out more. Thanks again for your time, Nancy. All right, good luck, everybody. You've just been listening to the System Hub Podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now.